Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome to Recovering God's Miracles on Spirit-Filled Radio. On this show, we talk about breaking the chains of addictive behaviors and receiving the healing power of Jesus in restoring you to an abundant life. Get ready for some inspiring testimonies of those who have found themselves in some very dark places, but then to a point of recovery through Christ. Hello, welcome. Good morning, Bill. Good to have you, Lord. My name is Andrew O'Keefe, and you're on Recovering God's Miracles <laughs> on Spirit-Filled Lives. We, it's all about anonymity, Lord. Right? I know it's it. So uh, sometimes I'm referred to as Bill, which is a nickname, which is fine. Yeah. So uh, it all works out. But I'm an addict, and I have a lot, we have a lot of guests on our programs that are addicts. And the way I know I'm an addict is there's a test that Jeff Foxworthy administers, and it goes something like this. If one's too many and a thousand aren't enough, you just might be an addict. Well, I got my hand raised high on that one because if it's fun and one's too many and a thousand ain't enough, I'm in. Whether it's fast cars or money or uh, cigarettes, cigars, booze, women, it doesn't matter. I'm in. I'm an addict, and therefore, when I was we were planning this program, Deacon Steve Greco wanted a program about addiction because most everybody we know knows somebody that has an addiction. Uh, Many folks uh, are in the midst of an addiction. And people that try to recover, the success rate is not really strong, unfortunately. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of agony. But there are people who make it. There are people who have pretty amazing stories about their corporate life, about their family lives, about a whole different life when they were in their addictions, some alcohol, some drugs, you know, some eating, whatever, whatever the addiction is, it really ran our lives. So this morning I've asked, you've heard him already, Lloyd F., uh, to join us and talk about his addictions, about how they affected him and his family uh, when when he started out as a young man and and uh, climbed the corporate ladder, owned companies, owned airplanes, was a very successful business guy, and he had a spiritual awakening one Christmas Eve, and then today, 23 years later, he's got a whole different life full of miracles. And I, Lloyd talks often about the miracles of his family. He has a billion dollar family. I'm stealing your line, Lloyd. Sorry about that. But you'll say it, I'm sure, but he does. He, Lloyd has a billion-dollar family and everything going well in his life. So I'm going to ask Lloyd, uh, I'm, uh, to, I'm going to open up with the serenity prayer, and then I'm going to pass to Lloyd. And Lloyd's going to talk to us about his early life, what happened, and then what his life's like today, and some of the miracles. We, we might need a four-hour show to talk about Lloyd's miracles today, but we're going to hang in there and we're going to do that. 
So I'm going to open with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I can't change the past. I can't change the truth. And I can't change anyone else. The courage to change the things I can. I can change me. I can change my attitudes. I can change my opinions and my behaviors and the wisdom to know the difference. So that's the prayer that I pray every day. And I know Lloyd does. So without further ado, I got we got to come up with a better line than without further ado, Lloyd. Help me work on that. So I'm going to pass the baton to my friend Lloyd, and he's going to be doing most of the speaking here for our half hour today. So, Lloyd, tell us about your life uh, then, what happened, and how you are today. Thanks, Bill. Lloyd, alcoholic. Today, I uh, am very grateful to be a recovering alcoholic. My drinking days, and I, I was, I'm addicted to alcohol. Very fortunate I never did any other drugs. But, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did alcohol. And uh, like when I was in high school, I... Nobody even knew anybody that used marijuana. We had heard about it, but that was about it. But I was raised in a little logging town in, in Oregon, and uh, one of my heroes was a guy that managed a sawmill, and he had a pot gut from drinking beer. And I thought, that's what I want. Right. Uh, went off to college when I was 17, and uh, my aunt, who was only 15 years older than I, gave me a fifth of Jim Beam as a go-to-college gift. Well, the Jim Beam didn't last too long, but uh, I kept the bottle all through college, used it for a candlestick holder. But, uh, you know, my drinking in high school was very limited. In college wasn't much. Uh, I was one of the few kids in our house with a car, and so I uh, went to college in Corvallis, Oregon, Oregon State, called Oregon State College in those days. So... Corvallis was a dry town, so we had to drive over to Paloma to buy booze. So my profit for driving over there every Friday night was uh, a pint of whiskey. and uh, Pretty good payback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And then uh, my wife and I were married uh, when we were 19. We uh, trained our sophomore and junior year in college. But there was no such thing as living together in those days, so uh, you got married. And uh, so after we got out of college, we, uh, we uh, worked for her parents for a while in the dry cleaning business. Her dad uh, drank a half pint of Jim Beam ever twice a day at uh, 10 in the morning, 2.30, 2 in the afternoon. Our kind of guy. He shared that with me. So. Our kind of guy, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Lloyd, just give us a perspective as to when those days were. You've made some references to those days. Now, I know, just for our audience to get a perspective as to how young you are. Give us an idea what when those days were. Well, we actually uh, got married in 1955. Okay. And so uh, the uh, 1960s, we, li- or we moved down to Arizona in 57, and... Uh, they moved over to San Diego County in uh, 59 to work with their folks. And we traded their dry cleaning business for a ranch in Montana. And her folks moved up on the ranch. And Joy and I moved back to Bend, Oregon, where we'd lived before. And by the time we had uh, two little kids, we had a uh, 36-foot, eight-wide trailer house. that had uh, front balcony kitchen, colored appliances, and 
green shag carpet. No, we didn't yeah. go anywhere that nicer place than that. Home sweet home, yeah. Yep. And so uh didn't take too long in, in Oregon before I got involved in the real estate business. And uh, my drinking still wasn't a problem in those days. But uh joined the Elks Club. They had uh, doubles for 50 cents every night at 5 o'clock. So I made sure I was at the Elks Club at 5 o'clock. With a bunch of dollar bills. I hear you. Yeah. So, you know, just sort of progressed from then on. Uh I got involved with uh, some guys that did a lot of exchanges uh, all over the United States, and, and uh, they were all heavy drinkers, and so I had to be a heavy drinker too, of course. Mid-1970s, I was uh, asked to be president of a title company in Eugene, Oregon. That's the first time in my life I'd ever had a job that had a, an expense account, and so uh didn't increase my drinking, but it sure increased the quality of my drinking. Chevis Regal, yeah. I know what you mean. Switched from Jim, from Jim Beam up to Chevis Regal. And, mm-hmm. uh, and my dessert, and of course, uh, living in Bend and working in Eugene, I was over there four or five nights a week, staying in hotels. So I had to go out to dinner every night. So the restaurants I went out to dinner at knew that what I wanted for dessert was a double graminier and a heated glass for dessert. And that was probably the start of my problem drinking, because uh, I can remember a few times when my secretary had to uh, guide me to my hotel room, open the door, and push me in and shut the door right quick. Been there, and and, uh, Lloyd, I hear you loud and clear, and I've been down that same road myself. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Recovering God's Miracles on Spirit-Filled Radio. I'm Andrew O'Keefe, sometimes referred to as Bill. As a nickname, and my guest today is my friend Lloyd F. from uh, Oregon and uh, Arizona. So go ahead, Lloyd. Okay, well, the drinking, you know, kept progressing more and more little things. A couple of DUIs. Uh, that was one of the nice things about growing up in a small town was that uh, you didn't get a DUI. You just got the cop to take you home. But uh, when I got, you know, a bigger town, so I... Uh, uh, my first DUI was uh, in Bend, Oregon, and, and I'd had cops in Bend take me home because I knew most of them. But they hired a female cop from Los Angeles, and she pulled me over, and Bubble. she did not know who I was. She wrote me a DUI. <laughs> and uh, so that was my first DUI. So I had to quit drinking for one year. And the state of Oregon said I couldn't drink or drive for one year, and I honored that. They let up on the driving part by giving me a license to drive for work. So uh, I had all kinds of places I had to go for work, so that worked out just fine. But uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, a few years later, 10 years later, I was working for another company. I almost always worked for myself, but every once in a while I'd get itchy feet and somebody would offer me a job and I'd take it had a company that uh, built houses and uh, Plymouth Falls, uh, Oregon, uh, Medford, Oregon, Bend and Redmond, Oregon. A lot of travel, a lot of a lot of drinking. And, Part of the deal, yeah. And I just kept up that. And finally, I got a second DUI. I was uh, driving in a blackout. I was not even on the 
right side of town. I don't know why I was over on the side of town I was. I was on a dead-end street. This parked car jumped out in front of me, and I hit it. And it's fault. Yeah. I was going to – I backed up and was going to drive off, but the guy that owned the pickup that I hit come running out there, you run my truck. So I stopped. And about that time, my a city event policeman showed up, and he uh, – was one I'd known since he was 17 years old. And I said, uh, Dick, just take me home. And he said, Lloyd, you're too far gone. And so he didn't handcuff me, but he told me to get in the back seat of the car and took me down to the station. Of course, he called Joanne, my wife, and Vicki, our oldest daughter, to come get me. That's but, embarrassing, uh, yeah. Come on. Shortly thereafter, uh, I didn't quit drinking on that DUI. I Kept right on, but uh, I, uh, this was 1997, so I've been drinking for a long time, and uh, we lived in Lake Oswego, we've moved from Bend over to Lake Oswego, that's a suburb of Portland, and another, one of my partners that I'd had for a long time, and I were doing real estate development, and uh, selling uh, I'd sell a few hotels along the way. We traded a little ranch we had in eastern Oregon for a condo in in Phoenix. And so we were going to come down to Phoenix for Christmas, the day before Christmas, 1997. Of course, being a good alcoholic, I hadn't packed beforehand. and Went in the closet and got my suitcase, stopped by the freezer and took a glug, 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 glug out of the absolute bottle and passed out. My wife couldn't get me awake. Called my partner. He only lived a mile away. He couldn't get me awake, so they called 911. I sort of came out of the coma for a little bit and saw there was a whole room full of people and heard this EMT tell me that he couldn't transport me without my permission, but I faded back out and my wife told me that I told him, no way, I don't need to go to a hospital. But she countered that. So the next time I came to, well, I was in Meridian Park Hospital in Lake Oswego. And I was in and out of consciousness all day. You know, it was uh, by the time that this doctor came in late in the afternoon, all five of our kids were around the bed and my wife. And he came in and said, well, he wasn't concerned about any stroke my head, which ticked me off. He said, I'm concerned about your blood alcohol level, 0.28. Haven't had a drink since yesterday. Classic. Classic line. Yep. Right? Yeah. He said, it doesn't matter. He said, one more drink will probably kill you. Your liver's quit working. Well, when the family finds out that you're not suffering from a stroke, that you're just a damn drunk while their attitude changes. Right. Well, that's Christmas spirit, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one of our... Daughters is married to a deputy sheriff, and he'd pulled out his little handy-dandy calculator and uh, figured out that if I had uh, 0.28 in the afternoon and hadn't had anything to drink, why, I must have had a, over a four-point on the night before. So anyway, they all left and went home. And I had all Christmas Eve to myself. Longest Christmas Eve in history. Right. Well, I did decide some, well, my wife, before she left, said, you know, either you get help or I'm leaving. I'm not going to stick around and watch you kill yourself. 
And the daughters expressed similar thoughts. I don't remember that the boys said anything. But, uh, anyway, they, uh, I decided I would get help. I knew about uh, Springbrook, now Hazelden, out in Newburgh, Oregon, which is 20 miles from where we lived. And the guy that started that, Ken Austin, owns, uh, well, he's passed away now, but he owned uh, ADEC, which is one of the largest manufacturer of dental equipment in the country. So he knew a ton of dentists that were alcoholics, and he was also. So he had built this treatment center out near his plant and uh, designed it for for professionals. So, you know, I thought maybe it was good enough for me. Not that I had a real high opinion of myself or anything, but I was pretty egotistic. Yeah, high roller. Yeah, and in my own mind anyway. Right. Aren't, aren't we all? Yeah. Next day when the family came back, why, uh, I was able to uh, tell them that I was ready to get help. So our oldest daughter called out to Springbrook. And they were full, but they had a room open the following day. She said, we'll take it. And I have never asked to this day how the family came up with the cash that took me to get in there because our insurance did not cover it. And so uh, I spent 50 days in the treatment center. But over half of our guys in there were doctors, and they were all mandated to be there 90 days by their boards. And so uh, nobody got out of Springbrook in 28 days. And I'm so thankful for that because same back, yeah. I, there was no way I was ready to get out of there in 28 or 30 days. But uh, by the time I got out, I had made up my mind that I was going to stick with the program. And so... My sobriety date's the day before Christmas, 1997, and I didn't want to change it. Pretty easy to remember, isn't it? So, uh, great story, Lloyd. I love that. Glug, glug, haven't had a drink since yesterday. I love it. A classic line. So, thank you, folks, for joining us on Recovering God's Miracles on Spirit-Filled Radio. This one of the best stories I've heard is Lloyd F.'s story, and... Uh, he survived Christmas Eve and survived Springbook for as many, he was in Springbook as many days as years he drank. Thank God. Never could have made it without that. I think your daughter reminded you of that. What the heck, Dad? 50 days? You've been drinking for 50 years. What the heck? Oh, yeah. Okay. Makes sense to me. So, and just an amazing family. And Lloyd's told me that he has a, a conference call every Sunday night with a billion dollar family. And virtually everybody in the family's on it because, uh, all of his kids and grandkids and Lloyd and beautiful wife, Joanne. And so tell us about that billion-dollar family and the billion-dollar miracles that are coming your way, Lloyd. Well, you know, I'm really blessed with the, the family that turned out, they all turned out great. And that's because their mother told them what to do, and I showed them what not to do. And between the two of them, well, they got the message. So uh, I had uh, somebody ask me one time what a family was worth, and I didn't have an answer for it, but I got to thinking that I've got a client that's a billionaire, and he's got no family. His wife passed away a few years ago, and he was never he never had any kids of his own, and she had a daughter that he was never close to. So here he is, a billionaire and no family. And so uh, I decided, well, my family is worth at least a billion dollars because I would not trade places with him. Right. Great point. But, that's been an expression of mine ever since that I've got a billion-dollar family, and I do. You know, they've all turned out great. Uh, one of them's a doctor. One's a hospice chaplain. 
One's been with Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad for 25 years. One's uh, now retired, uh, living in Southern California with her daughter, taking care of their grand her grandkids. And, and the other one works with me in the uh, hotel brokerage business. And uh, she's in addition to that, she also runs a concrete construction company in in Wilson, North Dakota, rather. So you know, all the kids have. That turned out great, and I'm so thankful for that. And uh, one of the things that I did wrong back in the drinking days was uh, spend money. And uh, so, uh, you know, I was making a lot of money, but I spent even more. And one of the things I had a passion for was flying and airplanes. So uh, one day I had to fire our bookkeeper at the home building company and made the mistake of having my wife come in and uh, do the books. And, uh, of course, she knew we owned an airplane. We used it all the time. But she did not know that we owned three airplanes at one time. (laughs) Where's that bookkeeper? Bring her back. Right. (laughs) Honey, we won't need you, honey. Go ahead. She got the bill from Bender. And, boy, I tell you, you talk about a mad woman. She was one mad woman. And, <laughs> Classic. And yeah. so uh, we sold an airplane the following day. Yes, she did. Yeah, that's a great story, Lori. I so appreciate your sharing. We've got a couple of minutes left, two or three minutes. I wonder if you could take a couple of minutes and just summarize some key principles or some things that are help that are helping you deal with life on life's terms every day. Uh, I think the audience would benefit from that, and I, I know I would. Well, I get on my knees every night, and uh, I've written out a page and a half of people that I pray for and things that I pray for. And I try not to say, hey, God, this is what I want today. But, you know, sometimes I slip and let God know what I really want him to do. But, uh, you know, if he does it, it's on his own time. It's not on my time. I try to tell him once in a while that... uh, you know, you could speed this up, God, you know, but it uh, doesn't seem to work. He does not in his own time. So I think that's one of the best things I do is, and then in the morning when I wake up, why I ask for guidance getting through the day. And it's, uh, you know, you surround yourself with uh, other alcoholics that are in recovery, and uh, you uh, use the telephone, you give them a call, just Check in with them, see how they're doing, particularly if it's somebody fairly new in the program, and uh, just uh, enjoy life. You know, that's uh, I, I'm enjoying life beyond my expectations. I never lived, never figured I'd lived this long. I'm 85 years old. My kids trying to get me to retire, but I have no I no desire to retire. But I'm, I, now I'm. Tell them I'm semi-retired. Semi-retired, right. Makes sense. And and next time on, that I'd like you to join us, Lloyd. I want you to bring us an update of Casey at the bat at the Casa. We'll see where that whole thing is. Maybe tomorrow we'll hear a little bit more about that. But I want to thank you, Lloyd, for joining us today and sharing and sharing your story and giving hope to folks out there and giving people the bottom line is prayer and on your knees Ours is a disease of the knees, and the more time we spend on our knees, somehow the less time we spend in bars and liquor stores and 
crazy wild parties in uh, Oregon. And boy, those boys really know how to drink up there. I know my son just moved from Bend over to Coeur <clears throat> Idaho. So I'm sure you know all about that. And you'll have to school me on Coeur d'Alene. But this has uh, been uh, Recovering God's Miracles on Spirit-Filled Radio. And our special thanks go out to Deacon Steve Greco and Katie Hughes and Mike Amola and the whole team of uh, technicians at Spirit-Filled Radio and Spirit-Filled Media for making this program a reality. And, and uh, we're just blessed to have the kind of guests on like Lloyd that we could have. And uh, Lloyd, again, I want to thank you. And any closing would you, words, would you take us out with the Our Father, the, the Lloyd's Prayer? And, and we'll, we'll close her up and move on, Lloyd. So go ahead. Lloyd Alcoholic, please bow your head and say a little prayer for the alcoholics that are still suffering. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It lies the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, my friend. And uh, we will talk soon. Very good. listening to Recovering God's Miracles on Spirit-Filled Radio. For more resources, come find us at spiritfilledmedia.org. That's spiritfilledmedia.org. This is Spirit-Filled Radio, a 24-7 radio platform to enliven your faith and go forward with a bold witness. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend about Spirit-Filled Radio. This is Alexis Walkenstein, and you're listening to a 24-7 Catholic radio platform. Spirit-Filled Radio is a nonprofit ministry brought to you to embolden your faith and fortify you in the times in which we live. If you feel led, please support this important ministry for Catholics around the world. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.